I want to address the subject of Christmas light. Christmas light. I'm not saying lights. The Christmas light. Take your Bibles with me, if you would. Turn to John chapter 8. And we're going to begin there. And we're going to look at how light has come into the world. And how the definition or the use of the word light is used all throughout the scripture. And I want to end this morning by taking us to a time when the light has been put out. That's going to be our emphasis this morning. had a great time this last week. Uh, Sunday evening, I went to a pastor's conference and left there about 1.30 uh, Tuesday afternoon and listened to 36 sermons. And uh, let me tell you, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Some of you probably wouldn't like listening to 36 sermons. Preacher really enjoys that. Had one of our speakers that was not allowed to, or well, he wasn't able to because of his health, to speak. So Brother Jim opened his 15-minute gap up to three preachers. I happened to be one of them. I wasn't going to let y'all know that I can preach a five-minute message. And uh, he, he gave me five minutes, and then he stood up and said, I had 30 seconds left, and man, let me tell you, I crammed it in there. So, uh, but I just, uh, I enjoy, I enjoy going to that conference. Christmas light, look with me in John chapter 8 and verse number 12. Jesus says this as he is speaking to the disciples. He said, then spoke Jesus again unto them saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but he shall have the light of of life. Now, if you would, uh, you'll see the scriptures up on the screen. If you'll just follow through those as I go along, those, those are in the order that I'm going to be using. And we're going to be talking about this light. He refers to himself as having the light of life. I love when we look at the scriptures, especially when we're going to be looking at the birth of Jesus this morning and how it refers to and how God uses light to bring people to his son Jesus. John chapter 1, the first nine verses there, a great description of this light. It says, In the beginning was the Word. Now let me ask you real quick, what is the Word? Who is the Word? Jesus is the Word. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to replace his name here. Watch it. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Now who is him? Jesus. All things were made by him, and without Jesus was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Here's that word light again. And the light shineth unto the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not the light. In other words, John was not the light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. The light was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Now, when we're looking at this and it's referring to that light, it refers to Jesus as the light and all mankind as darkness. 
the light came into the darkness. In other words, when God sent Jesus Christ into this world, He became the, to be the light of the world that the world might be saved through the light because we are in darkness. So let's now look at the birth of Jesus and what it says again about this light. In Luke chapter 2, and verse number 1, very familiar scripture that's used at this time of the year. Luke chapter 2, I'll wait on you. I love seeing our kids taking their Bibles and flipping through the pages. Uh, I'm telling you, the Word of God will change your life if you will take it and use it and apply it. So thank you for turning there. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 1, and it says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor over Syria, and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, unto Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now I want you to know those first seven verses kind of sounded kind of uneventful. They got to go down there and pay their taxes in Bethlehem. They were down there and there wasn't no room in the inn, so Mary gave birth in a in a shed in a, in a manger and it was kind of a it just it doesn't give us all the details there but I want you to know that that's quite an eventful event those first seven verses uh, when you begin to look at it but then watch this while that took place and there were in that same country shepherds abiding in the field keeping watch over their flock by night and lo the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For you, to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, and this shall be a sign unto you. You will find this babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now, this is after the birth of Jesus. Jesus is in Bethlehem. Jesus has been born now in Bethlehem. And we're talking about the light. And I want you to know, God uses light and the use of this light to magnify who Jesus was. Now you watch this. These shepherds are out in the field and the angel of the Lord appears in the sky. Now you have to understand, there are no street lights. It is pitch dark out there in, these, in the fields where these, uh, where these shepherds are abiding. Probably a campfire is the only light anywhere around. And the angel of the Lord appears in the sky now watch, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Now I want you to know what the glory of the Lord is. The glory of the Lord is a great light. 
every time you see in the scriptures that refers to the glory of the Lord, it talks about how bright and how the light just shines. These shepherds are out there in the middle of the field and suddenly it's like a spotlight, a huge spotlight from heaven flashes on. No wonder the Bible says, and the, the shepherds were afraid. No wonder. They had never seen anything like this. They had never heard of anything like this. But the light now has appeared. And he gives the announcement of the birth of Jesus Christ. I want you to know, the light here has great significance. The glory of the Lord shone round about them when the announcement of Jesus was born. The glory of the Lord was evident and presence when they made this announcement. Now, not only was the angel of the Lord there and giving this announcement, but before he left, it says a heavenly host of angels appeared and began to sing glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill to men. <laughs> you know, I got to thinking about this. I wonder if them shepherds were close enough to Bethlehem that somebody in Bethlehem looked out over the horizon and went, my goodness, what is that over there? Look at that brightness over the horizon. Man, the whole sky is lit up over there. What's going on over there? Because I want you to know the glory of the Lord is significant in the scriptures. We may overlook it, but I want you to know it was very significant in the announcing of Jesus Christ, the light of the world, into this world. Now let's look down in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. We're going to read of the account of the wise men that come from afar and they come and they find Jesus. What is it that guides them? A star. What is it from that star that is guiding them? The light. The light of this star is guiding them. I want to go ahead and read all of this account of these wise men coming although the light part of this is just very, uh, just a small portion of it. But let's look what it says in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born, king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the priests of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule over my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I shall come and worship him also. Now, you have to pay attention to this. You know that, that the Bible is referring here when Herod is talking to the wise men the fact that Jesus has already been born. I know many accounts, and, and I, don't, I don't pass judgment on anyone that shows the wise men at the manger scene. It, I don't think that's a big deal. But when we look at Scripture, 
we see accurately that when the wise men find Jesus, is he in the manger? No, he's in a house. This could only be days after Jesus was born, after the crowds had left Bethlehem. Some places opened up. We don't, underst- we don't understand all of that, but it, the fact that these wise men were led to Jesus by this light. Again, look what it says here. Verse number 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. When you have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship with him. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, let me ask you this. I... I was outside last night after I had been studying these scriptures and I want you to know I looked up and I found a star. And I looked and I I walked from this side of the house or or the yard and I looked up and I kind of pictured myself under that star. I walked all the way over here to this road over here and it still looked like I was under the same star. But I want you to know this was not any ordinary star. This was not a. This was a star that was sent of God to shine a light on where Jesus Christ, the light of the world, would be born. Again, I believe when they looked and they saw the star, the Bible says they followed this star. This star, evidently, according to the Scripture, was moving. I believe when they come to the house that I believe a light from heaven shone down on the house. It was unmistakably where Jesus was. It was not, well, the star's kind of in this area. Hey, y'all start walking on these, knocking on these doors in this neighborhood. He's got to be in one of these houses. No, let me tell you what. The light of the Lord shone upon where Jesus Christ was because Jesus is the light of the world. No mistaking who Jesus was. Everything about this light identified who Jesus was. Watch this in Matthew chapter 17 and verse number 1. This is when, when Jesus, uh, this is seven days, or, I'm sorry, wrong verse, Luke chapter 21. 2, Luke chapter 2. Eight days after Jesus was born and it was according to the law. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4 it says, When the fullness of time had come, Jesus was born of a woman, born under the law. Jesus had to abide by the law of the Israelites. It tells the law of the Israelites was eight days after a male child is born, they are to be brought to the temple and they're to be circumcised. Mary and Joseph brought little baby Jesus. They walked into the temple gate. There was a man named Simeon there. Simeon saw them and he recognized them. He went to them and this is what he said. Then took he him up in his arms, and he blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast before the face of all people, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. 
First time this man ever saw Jesus, he says, right there is the light. That's the light that's going to be the light and the salvation of the Gentiles. That's going to be the light and the salvation of the nation of Israel. There's the light right there. Remember the first verse we looked at? In John chapter, uh, John chapter 8 and verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Listen, this is not a play on words. God intended for us to understand that Jesus is the light. In order for Jesus to be the light, one thing we need to recognize is that we are in the darkness. Jesus has called us out of the darkness unto the light. It reminded me, and I know preachers tell the same stories over and over and over and over, but I remember when I was, I was about 17, 18 years old, I was driving. My uncle's about two years younger than me, and me and him, me and him always wanted to be outdoorsmen. We went to Boykin Springs. How many of you know about Boykin Springs over there off of Highway 63, I think it is? Boykin Springs is a real small lake out in the middle of the National Forest. It's fed by springs, real, real cold water. We would go and spend the night out there, and we got up the next morning, and we decided we were going to follow the overflow of that dam out of the lake and follow it all the way to the Natchez River or the Angelina River, Mark. The Natchez River. We could see it on a map. And I mean, we, here we took off. And you know how a creek, it winds and twists all through the woods, and we was walking along the edge of that creek. Man, we got there about dinner time. We'd been out there in the woods about four hours. And we got down and we finally walked. Man, we thought we were, we were outdoorsmen. We had journeyed through the woods, saw all kind of neat things out in this woods. We got to the end, the outdoorsmen that we were, we decided it's not going. We're not going to walk that creek all the way back. We're going to take us a shortcut. We're outdoorsmen. We're going to take off through the middle of this national forest, and we're going to find that real small lake right out in the middle of the national forest. I do not advise that. Didn't have a compass. Didn't have anything. Hey, now let me tell you. We were trying to use the sun as a guide. You know. Oh well, I've seen it on. Well, here we want to keep the sun over our left shoulder, and we. Let me tell you, we walked and we walked and we walked and in about three hours we walked out on a dirt road and we heard some dogs barking and we went to it and it was an old hunting camp. And we got down there and they said, boys, where are y'all coming from? We told them our story. They said, well, man, you guys are about eight miles. If you walk down the road, it's going to be eight miles about to, back to Borkin Springs. But now if you walk straight through those woods right there, you can get your way through. Okay, we started marching through the woods again. We're, we're foolish 17-year-old boys, okay? So we head off through the woods again. We're going to take a shortcut. He said it'd take us about an hour and a half if we went through the woods or it'd take us till after dark to walk along the highway. So we chose to go through the woods. We got out there in the middle of the woods and it started turning dark on us. You want to know what we were looking for? We were looking for any kind of light that we could find it did not matter if we could see a light walking in the middle of this national forest all we wanted to do was see a light his done got dark on us and we heard something we could hear a car out on the highway and we turned our eyes toward the sound that we could see and directly I mean you just saw a speck of light do you know what that gave us that gave us a speck of hope 
and we would start walking toward that light. And I mean, it was 63. There were not many cars on that road. And we would stop and we would listen. Here comes another one. And we would stand there and we'd look. There it is. And man, we'd head out and go toward that light until it disappeared. And we'd done that for about another hour and a half. And we finally got back out on the main highway, still five miles from Boykin Springs. That was back in the day. If you were on the side of the road, people would stop. And immediately, the first car that came by stopped. We got a ride. But now I want you to know, all we wanted to see was the light. Let me tell you what, this world is in such a darkness today. The morality, the principles that this world is living in, I want you to know we are in a vast darkness. This darkness is so dark, and, and I feel for our young people. I, I want you to know, I believe the darkness is darker now than it was when I was a teenager. The morality is more ungodly than it's ever been. And it's harder to see the light unless you open up your eyes and look in the direction that the Lord Jesus Christ is in because Jesus is the light. Jesus is the light that we need to find. Simeon said that Jesus is the light to the Gentiles and to the glory of God. Matthew chapter 17 tells of an incident where Jesus became the light. Now I want you to know, now Jesus hasn't done this. This is the first time that he's done this. In Matthew chapter 17, it talks about when Jesus goes up on the mountain and he takes Peter, James, and John with him and he goes on top of the mountain. Now, you've got to look at the, the time period that this is taking place. This time period is just weeks before Jesus is going to the cross. And this is what's taking place. He goes to the top of this mountain. And he goes to the top of this mountain. And, and I don't know how many of y'all have heard this. I, I remember growing up as a kid knowing about the Mount of Transfiguration. Did not really understand what that meant. The Mount of Transfiguration. Let me tell you what took place on top of that mountain. Jesus, out of his flesh, he was transfigured or he became what the glory of God sees him truly as for just a moment. In other words, Peter, James, and John was up there on the mountain and Jesus immediately became the glory of God. And when I say that he became the glory of God, it says that he became, his face was like the sun, looking directly into the sun. I mean, his garments, everything about him was solid white. And I want you to know, the other disciples that had looked to the top of the mountain, it would have looked like the top of the mountain was on fire. Because Jesus became the glory of, the, of God as he is, he for a moment became that glory. And everything about him was bright. He was white. He was the light. And Peter, James, and John, it was so bright they couldn't even look upon him. They, put the, they fell down face ground to the, their face to the ground because he was so bright. Look what it says. Matthew 17, After six days Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and he bringeth them up to the high mountain apart and was transfigured before him. And his face did shine as the sun and his raiment was white as the light. It's I always, of course, I'm, I'm real figurative. I need a picture. I always think about it when, when old Clark Kent would run into that, into that phone booth to become Superman. And you remember when he, he'd reach in and he'd pull his shirt apart? What would be under on his chest? 
that big S. And you'll begin to see him transform into Superman. Let me tell you what. On the moment that Jesus was on top of that mountain, he pulled back his flesh and his humanity and he moved it to the side and he became the glory of God that he is on top of that mountain. That's what took place for just a moment because he had not yet been to the cross. He became... said when Peter, James, and John looked back up, he was like he was before. The flesh of man. Jesus, the Son of God, in the flesh of man. Let me tell you how powerful this is. In Matthew 4, it talks about the people which sat in darkness saw a great light. It's just talking about when Jesus came to their, their town. These people were in darkness. They were serving idols. They did not know anything about it. It doesn't tell us that those people followed after Christ. But it said simply that Jesus came into their city and they saw the light of the world yet in their darkness. Listen to John three, eighteen. Now all of us know John three sixteen. Most of us know John three seventeen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God commended not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Listen to this. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. This is the reason why they don't have eternal life. That the light came into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. We was talking about it in Sunday school this morning. I want you to know it. Temptation is tough. And, and, and I think there are so many people that know all the, the story. They know everything that I've talked about the Christmas story this morning. They know and understand the Christmas story. They know about the wise men. They know about the innkeeper. They know all that. But listen, they have saw the light, but they choose darkness over light. They would rather live the ways of the world than to follow after the light. The condemnation, the condemnation is not because they didn't see the light. They saw the light, but they refused to follow after the light. They would rather live in the darkness. Let me tell you what the Bible says. Sin is fun for a season. You hear me? Sin is fun for a season. But your eternity depends on the decisions you make in this world. Follow after darkness. You'll regret it when eternity comes. He says the reason that they're condemned is because they saw the light or they refused to follow the light. They love darkness better. They love darkness better. Acts chapter 9 verse 3. Saul saw the light. It changed his life. On the road to Damascus, he looked up and he saw the light from heaven. Acts chapter 12 and verse 7 tells us that Peter was in the Peter was in chained to the floor of the prison. And it said, And the light appeared, set him free. The light, the light, the light. If you haven't followed with me yet, I want you to turn to two scriptures, Matthew chapter 27 and Luke chapter 23. I want you to look at these two scriptures. If you've not looked at any other scriptures... We need to look at these. 
Matthew chapter 27, verse 45. Matthew 27, verse 45. We started this morning. Jesus is a baby in a manger. The light brought the wise men. The light brought the shepherds. Simeon at the temple talked about Jesus being the light to all the world, to the Gentiles and the Jews alike. The light has changed the lives of many. Jesus showed his leading disciples that he was the light on top of the Mount of Transfiguration. We've talked about the light. This scripture right here tells us when the light was taken away. Jesus has prayed in the garden the night before. He said, Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, thy will be done. He said, Lord, I'll be the light, but I know what it's going to cost in order for them to receive this light. I know what the cost is, and that's for me to become sin for them. And Lord, if there's any other way, let's do it another way. But not my will, thy will be done. The next morning at 9 o'clock, according to the Scriptures, when they took Jesus and they placed Him on a cross, this is what describes what took place on the sixth hour or the sixth hour. Look what it says in Matthew 27. From the sixth hour, which would be noon, 12 o'clock noon, until the ninth hour, which would be 3 o'clock in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why hast thou so forsaken me? Luke 23, this is the same situation. It says, And it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. I would love to camp out on this next phrase. And the sun was darkened, the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. Let me explain what just took place. The reason that there was a darkness over all the earth the Bible, the Bible, if you will look up that word darkness, and you can, there was an incident when God brought darkness on the Egyptians, when He brought the ten plagues on the Egyptians for them to set the people free. Moses came in. You look up that word in the Hebrew in the darkness, it is a darkness that you can feel. It, it, it's, it, it's, like it's, it's like it's something that you can touch. It is so dark, it's it's just completely without light. That's how the darkness was something you, you felt like when you were breathing. You were breathing in darkness. I mean, it's something completely different than when you go into a room and you turn off all the lights. Something completely different. It was something that you could feel. You felt the pressure of this darkness. It was so dark. But then when you go, you look at the scriptures right here that we're talking about, and it's talking about this darkness. 
There's a Greek word there that is describing this darkness. And when you look at this in, in Luke, it says, and the sun was darkened. Now, let me tell you, this was a darkness even beyond the darkness that you could feel. This, it was like the sun went out for a moment. Poof! Covered up. Nothing even coming from the sun. A darkness like the world has never known. And let me tell you why that darkness came. Everybody right up here. Just a second. You, you don't need to miss this. This darkness. The reason this darkness was so significant. Listen. Because the light was gone. Watch. From six, from three o'clock, from noon, the sixth hour until the ninth hour, Jesus became sin for you and me. And Jesus, the light of the world, could no longer be the light of the world and sin at the same time. That is why when he became our sin, that is why Jesus said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? There was a time when he never, he did not feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. He did not feel the presence of Almighty God. He was left alone, Jesus, in the flesh because your sin and my sin has now been placed upon him. He is my sin and your sin for those three hours. He paid the price for sin. And in three hours, he died, paying the price for sin. The light of the world came into the world to be the light for every man. And the only way that he could be the light for every man is for he to become sin for every man. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that he might be made the righteousness that we might be made the righteousness of God in him there's a whole lot more to this Christmas story than we've ever seen Christmas light Jesus is that Christmas light the light of the world is what gives us everlasting life if we will put our faith and trust in Him and believe with all of our heart. Christmas light. Jesus came, dwelt among us, that we might have life. Then in turn, this is what Jesus tells us. When you put your faith and trust in Him, what did Jesus teach the disciples? What did He teach the multitude at the, the, the Sermon on the Mount? He says, you are now the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. How can that be possible? When you place your trust and faith in Jesus Christ, He comes and lives and dwells inside of you. The power of the Holy Spirit. We become that light so that we might tell others about how, who Jesus is. Let this be the greatest year of your life. Let this be the greatest Christmas. Invite the light into your life. Let's stand together. Father in heaven, I just want to stop and thank you for 20 years.
I've been preaching every year the December season about the birth of Jesus Christ and never have I seen it so real in my life than this year and this message that you are the light and the only way to spend eternity with you is to accept Jesus the way that He's came, the way that He made the payment for sin, for there is no other way. Your Word tells us that there's no one can come to the Father except through Your Son Jesus and that payment for sin that was made on the cross that day. Thank You, Lord, for Your sacrifice and Your unconditional love for us that we might receive uh, this forgiveness of sin. Now, I don't know what the need is this morning, but God, I pray that, as I prayed earlier, that as decisions are made this morning, when we leave this place, you will be pleased with every decision. That decision needs to be a prayer that's prayed in the pew, or a prayer that's prayed at this altar, or a, a movement to, uh, to join the church, or to be saved, or rededicate our lives. God, whatever that decision I pray that you'll be pleased this morning as we begin this time of invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing.